0: We're in the fourth week of a series that we've been calling Emoji, and we've been looking at just some of the different expressions and some of the different feelings that we deal with in our day-to-day life, and and we've talked about It's funny how communication has changed over the years. Man, we went from pagers, we went from writing letters to uh, pagers to uh, cell phones where you could just barely type anything out to smartphones where you typed everything out to the fact that now we just send an emoji real real quick and we call it good and um so it's been an interesting series it's been a fun series as we talk about some different subjects and the first week we talked about the series we talked about how to deal with our anger and we talked about how the bible makes it very clear that there's nothing wrong with being angry the problem is once we get angry We most of the time sin in our anger. The second week of the series, we talked about how do you live at peace with all people, especially those you just don't like. Last week, we talked about what is one of the most popular emojis there is, and we talked about what do you do when life gets crappy. And I was amazed by the response. I was looking at the website this week, and on our website, you can download these sermons for free, and it was one of the most downloaded sermons we've done in the last year, because the reality is we're all dealing with hard times. We're all going through different emotions, and there's always times in our life, whether it's our professional life, our financial life, our marital life, our, our parenting life, whatever it is, where it just seems like life is very, very crappy, And today we're going to talk about a subject. Last week I told you, and I just really wanted to do it where I could say the word poop a thousand times in in a message because I'm like a middle schooler when it comes to that. But I told you last week that the poop emoji is one of the most used emojis there is. Well, today's emoji is the most used emoji there is. The smiley face, the happy face. I I call it the all-encompassing emoji because you can be being real crappy to someone through a text and you just throw the smiley face emoji in, the end and that—that's your Western. It's just all good, you know. Or you can be like, "How's life? It's good," you know. I use the smiley face emoji all the time, and the fact of the matter is, it's kind of that emoji that says, "Man, we're happy." But the reality is, most of us are not living life happy. The reality is most of us don't even know what happiness truly is. We're looking for happiness. We're trying to obtain happiness. We're trying to do whatever we can to get happiness. But very few of us would look at our lives overall and say, we're happy. We might be happy today, just got engaged and we're happy. Every picture Rhonda posts on Facebook, She's happy today. Now, here's what's going to happen, though. And I don't know him. He's probably a great guy. But she's going to move in with him one day. And he ain't going to put the toilet seat down. He's going to leave his dirty underwear on the floor. And he's going to make the fatal mistake one day. She's going to cook something. Every man in here has done this. And if you say you ain't done it, you're a liar. He's going to say, that was good, but it wasn't like Mom's. Because we're men, and we're stupid. <laughs> as great as he probably is, and he's probably thinking, this is the only second time i have ever at this church and I'm getting singled out, there's going to come a day where Rhonda is not going to have that smile on her face. She ain't going to be happy with him. She's still going to love him. My wife tells my wife, she says, I love you, but I don't like you a lot right now. We're always looking for happiness and we find happiness in all the wrong things. And that's why so many times happiness in our life isn't a long-term thing. We're happy in moments. We're happy in possessions. We're happy in certain circumstances. But long-lasting happiness, just something a lot of times we don't have. My wife tells me all the time. She says, my biggest concern with you is You're always searching for happiness. Something makes you happy for a short term, and then you're not happy. And it's something that I've worked with a lot. It's something I go to counseling for the sole purpose of what is happiness, and how do I achieve happiness, and how do I learn to be happy in whatever circumstance that we have. And it's really an appropriate sermon, especially here in America. Because let's be honest, we live in a country that was founded with the sole purpose of giving people the opportunity to be happy. The Declaration of Independence says, man, you're guaranteed life, you're guaranteed liberty, don't miss this, and you're guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. Even back then, they knew happiness was something that everyone is trying to obtain. Life, guaranteed in America. Liberty, though we may debate it today, guaranteed in America. Happiness, that's on you. We can't make you happy, but we can promise you the pursuit of happiness is there for you. It's something telling to me that life and liberty are guaranteed, and happiness, you've got to pursue it on your own. Best of luck finding it, our forefathers knew. They knew that people were coming over here for happiness. But they knew that once they got here and the newness of our country wore off, the happiness wouldn't be there, so they were just guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. So here we are, a nation that for a few hundred years has undertaken this incredible experiment called the pursuit of happiness, trying to find what it is that will make us happy. It's kind of like trying to scoop up water. You can have it for a couple of seconds, and it runs through your fingers. Because the problem is we're looking for happiness in all the wrong things, because what makes you happy might not make me happy. And the problem is happiness is a temporary thing if we don't learn where true happiness comes from. And we look and we look and we look and we pursue and we pursue and we look for happiness everywhere. We look to our finances for happiness. I was talking to a guy this last week, probably in my lifetime the wealthiest guy that I've ever talked to. And he said, Man, I'm in a good place in life. And me being an idiot, I said, Yeah, I guess, bet you are. He said, What do you mean? I said, Man, you're pretty blessed financially. Let's not be stupid. He said, You think that's why I'm in the best place in my life? I said, Well, i sure it don't hurt. He said, Between you, me, and the fence post, I'm a multimillionaire. And he said, This is my third time being one. He said, I don't say that in bragging why I said it to let you know I've already lost it twice. In the process of losing it, I've lost family and friends and everyone. He goes, this doesn't bring me happiness. We look for it everywhere. We look to good times for happiness. We look to our spouses for happiness. We look to our friends for happiness. You name it, and we're looking for it trying to find happiness, even if we know that happiness is temporary because it's the greatest high there is. Man, you can do every drug and do whatever you want to do and there's no high like the high of being happy. And so many times we make very poor decisions long-term for short-term happiness because that's just the way we, we are, man. We can't see the forest for the trees, We think about the here and the now. We don't think about the long-term ramifications of anything. If it makes me happy now, I'm doing it, even though it might make me miserable down the road. That's why we don't have long-term happiness. We don't understand. We're always pursuing happiness. We have this promise to pursue happiness... We live in a blessed nation. We live in a nation that's doing well economically. We live in a nation, and again, I know everybody wants to debate it, that we live with freedom. Yet, we live in a nation that is full of some of the most unhappiest people I've ever seen in my life. Get on social media. People are miserable. And they want the whole world to know it. We're always looking for happiness, always pursuing happiness, and yet, at the end of the day, overall, we're unhappy. We find it temporarily, but long-term, we're miserable. It's so funny, even something as simple as the weather can affect our happiness. I probably had five people, and before I throw those five people under the bus, let me Throw myself in there as six people who said, Man, it's miserable today. And as if it wasn't miserable today, I said, And it ain't nothing like it's going to be tomorrow. I said, I ain't even going to leave the house tomorrow. It's going to be so hot. Already throwing negative stuff on that Monday of the weather affecting. Tried to have a good weekend, but it rained. It's too hot, it's too cold. Man, we are unhappy people. We've allowed people, we've allowed things, we've allowed circumstances to dictate our level of happiness. We're depending on others for our happiness. And therein lies the problem. If we're going to talk about happiness. You have to talk about the book of Philippians. And while the word happiness is not used in the book of Philippians, the word joy is 16 times. Four chapters is all Philippians is. And 16 times Paul talks about the joy that he has. And if there was ever a time where someone wouldn't be writing about joy, it'd be in the book of Philippians. And if there was ever a time where the person writing it shouldn't be talking about joy, it'd be in the book of Philippians. Paul understood something that we all need to understand and accept. He understood that in this life, you're going to have problems. We talked about that last week. We talked about there's going to be. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You can take it to the bank. If you think, man, I'm in church now and I got a relationship with God and everything is going to be unicorn this and unicorn, I ain't going to say it because I said it. You know what I'm going to say. You're wrong. We're going to have hard times. If your life is anything like mine, you get one problem fixed and three more occur. If you're waiting on everything to be perfect to be happy, you're never going to be happy. We have to learn in life to be happy in our circumstance and not happy because of our circumstance. Paul understood this. Paul had every reason to be unhappy. The background of this book, the book of Philippians, let me give you the background leading up to it. Four years of Paul's life, he'd spent in prison, falsely accused. He'd spent two years in prison, and then they took him to prison, and they decided to pull him out of the prison and send him to Rome to go before Nero. Nero was the most feared person if you were a Christian. Nero hated believers. And they sent Paul there to stand before him. Once he got there, there was no doubt that Nero was going to execute Paul. So he's been in prison. He's been shipped off to Rome. He knows he's going before Nero. While he's on his way to Rome on a ship, a storm comes along and the ship sinks. So now he's been in prison The ship is sunk, he has swam to a shore, and now he's on a deserted island. While on that deserted island, he's bit by a poisonous snake. Eventually, a ship finds him on the island, takes him to Rome. He is then locked to the prison guard, and at this time, he had been in that prison for two years, locked to the guards. (laughs) 24 hours a day. Every four hours, they would change and put another guard on him for a charge that he was innocent of. So I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I think I'd be feeling at this time. Happiness is not one of them. Matter of fact, I think I'd be a little bit irritated. I'd be a little bit angry. I think I'd have a little bit of a grudge towards God. I wish I could tell you, man, I am a pastor, and I'd be like, God, I trust you, and it's all good. Instead, I think I do what so many of you do every time something goes wrong. If that's a loving God, I don't want anything to do with him. Meaning, hey, when everything's good, I'm I'm down with, with Jesus. When something don't go like I want it to, it's God's fault instead of my fault. Paul had every reason to be unhappy, but look what he says in Philippians 1. What does it matter? What does it matter that I went through all this? What does it matter right now that I'm in jail? What does it matter that I was shipwrecked? What does it matter that I was bit by a snake? What does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, because of what? Because I've been in jail, because I've been bit by a snake, because I've been shipwrecked, because what? Because of what? Because Christ is preached. I rejoice Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul understood where true happiness comes from. He understood that it does not come from your circumstances. It does not come from your possessions. It does not come from your pleasure. It does not come from your comfort. He understood that if I'm going to survive in this life, and I'm going to go and survive through the hell that I've been through, I cannot focus on the negative. I cannot focus on my anger. I cannot be mad at God. I cannot play the victim. Hello, I cannot play the victim. Some of you, that's probably the, I need to do a series on that. (laughs) Holy smokes. Some of you are the biggest victims I've ever met. Nothing is your fault. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Like sometimes, like I love you and I love being your pastor. And if you're a first time guest, I'm probably about to freak you out because you're probably like, this is the most uncaring person in the world. All I can tell you is you don't deal with this crowd 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, going on six years now. It's like the Waffle House. Sometimes I want to take a brick and beat my head in. Not because you screw up, because, man, I am Gary and I am the king of screwing up. But because, man, you play the victim so well. If you'd ever get past playing the victim, you might get over what it is that's got you playing the victim. But I'm not preaching that today. How can Paul be happy in the midst of all of this? Here's what I dig about the Bible, man. This book is amazing. This book doesn't just tell us what we should do. It tells us how we go about doing it. Paul doesn't just get up there and say, man, I'm in to all this, but I'm happy, happy, happy. He says, let me show you some reasons why I can find joy. Let me show you some reasons I can be happy. Let me show you some reasons I can be content. Let me show you some mindsets, because make no mistake about it, your attitude determines your happiness. I don't remember if I talk about this later, but there's a point in the Bible where Paul's standing before Agrippa, and Agrippa's about to sentence him to execution. And Agrippa says, Paul's basically just smiling. He's just chilling. And Agrippa's like, what's your deal? And Paul said, I think... Myself happy, he said. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you're about to do to me. I'm deciding to be happy today. Make no mistake about a Happiness is a choice. I've used this. I think I used this illustration recently. Don't believe me that happiness is a choice. How many of you have ever been fighting with your spouse? Raise your hand. Don't be chicken. You've been fighting with them. Jeff Walden, raise both of them hands. You live with Rhonda. But somebody calls while you're fighting. You scream, I'm sick. Hello? Man, just chilling. What are you doing? Ah, oh, you know, it's, it's been one of those days. Man, hey, that's good. I heard what happened at work today. Hey, man, we need to hook up soon. Hey, I'll holler at you later. And like I was saying a minute ago, you chose to be happy during that time. And you chose to be angry during that time. Happiness is a choice, but we got to have the right mindset. Now, here's the deal. This new mic is powerful. Barry, we got to get this thing dialed in this week. I'm too fat huffing and puffing up here. I don't need that breathing through. And I ain't putting that little thing on, so don't let that be a solution. They this big old muffled thing like Garth Brooks up here. Because Speedy's going to come to me after, and I told you so. No, no, for five years we ain't had it, we ain't going to have it now. I'm vain like that. Let's have the right mindset. First thing we need to do is, I need to have a perspective to live from. How do I find true happiness? I've got to have a perspective to live from. I need a clear point of view. I need a clear understanding. Here's the deal, and I believe we would all agree. How you look at a situation determines how you're going to go through that situation. If you decide to be negative about it, it's going to be a rough situation. If you decide to be miserable about it, it's going to be a bad situation. If you decide to be, oh, woe is me, it's going to be a bad situation. Some of you, man, you look at every situation like it's horrible. Some of you look at situations before you even know the facts. Something goes wrong with your car. And you lose your minds before you even know what's wrong with the car. You're mad for four days, finally get to the shop, and I get a $50 repair. Oh. But you've been mad for four days about it. Man, how we look at a situation, we need a proper perspective to live from. You can take two people, throw them in the same situation. One is devastated by the situation, and one says, man, I'm getting through this situation. This sucks. This is horrible. But guess what? This doesn't define me. I always look when people go through hard times, like, how are they handling this situation? Because their attitude will determine their altitude going through it. They're going to fly over it, or they're going to wallow in it. We get messed up and think that our mindset doesn't have anything. Well, why would you get through a situation happy when your mindset's miserable? We need a proper perspective to live from. <laughs> it's all in how you look at the problem. Paul's in jail and he says, man, I've got to get God's perspective on this situation. He said, I've got to realize I'm stuck here and there's nothing I can do. So I can wallow in how unjust it is and I can wallow in how unfair it is or I can decide, you know what, what is God doing in the midst of this? Look what he says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What? What? Prison, shipwrecked, bit by a snake, locked to the prison guard. I can be miserable or I can be like, you know what? This sucks. But man, it's advanced the gospel. He says, being in prison has given me the opportunity to share the gospel with key People. I didn't ask to be here. This isn't where I want to be. But now that I'm here, man, I got to sit back and look at the opportunities. And the opportunities are, I get to make an impact for the kingdom of God. He says, as a result, as a result of what? Being imprisoned. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He said, for 24 hours a day, I am chained to a prison guard. You need to understand something about the prison guard, they were the elite of the elite. They were hand-chosen by the king himself. They were palace guards for 12 years and 12 years only. At the 12-year mark, they would retire, and every one of them would move into political power. It was a person of influence. These were very influential people. And Paul said, I got these guys. He said, I got a captive audience. 24 hours a day. I'm not just chained to a wall. I'm chained to them. I can wallow in it. I can whine in it. I can feel sorry for myself in it. I can get angry about it. (laughs) Or for four hours while I got them next to me, I can just preach Jesus to them. I can tell them how good God is. I can tell them about Jesus, how he gave his life on the cross, how he rose from the grave. I can tell them, hey, hey, I always wanted to come to Rome because Rome in that day was like our New York City. It's where you went to meet a person of influence. He said, I thought in my mind I was going to be preaching in front of thousands of people in Rome, but instead I got you the influencers. You're going to hear about Jesus. You're going to go and tell other people about this. I mean, there's something different about this guy. I I, I don't know. What it is like? My question is: Who's the real prisoner? Is it Paul or the guard? Imagine being chained to me for four hours a day, and I'm preaching Jesus nonstop. Prison guards are like, man, there is something about this guy. They watched Paul. <laughs> they watched him. Don't they watched him write the New Testament? They watched him as God spoke to him. They watched him as he encouraged the churches throughout the regions. And word began to spread about his faith. The guards would go back in and say, man, there's something different about him. And people would come down and get around Paul and their lives would be changed. In fact, if you go back and study out history, you'll see that Nero had his mother... His wife and his children killed because they all became believers. wonder how they became believers. Because they had someone preaching the gospel in the palace nonstop. They thought he was a prisoner. He's like, this ain't what I wanted, but I'm just going to preach Jesus. This has given me an opportunity to preach Jesus to people I never thought I'd get to preach to influencers i'm trying to deal with someone right now i'm like if you could ever get to the point in your life where you could actually reach influencers yeah but the people i reach now do yeah they do a great job but if you can get influencers you can do 10 times more because influencers guess what they do they influence people you got your network that you can influence your 20 50 people But what if you reach 20 or 50 influencers? And those 20 or 50 people are influencing 20 or 50 people. We're so short-sighted. Paul said, man, I'm going to reach the influencers. And the influencers are going to do what they do. Uh, They're going to influence people. He said, I'm going to have a proper perspective. He said, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. He said, not only am I getting to influence the the leaders, I'm getting to influence the other believers. They see me in prison. I'm preaching Jesus. They're free. They're convicted. Why ain't we preaching Jesus? If Paul can do it, we can do it. He got the proper perspective. You always have got to have the proper perspective in the midst of your misery. Paul said, man, this ain't what I would have chosen. But I'm influencing unbelievers. I'm influencing believers. He said, he said, when I face a problem with joy, it's a testimony. It's a witness to people. People are looking at him and saying, what is it that he has that I don't have? Paul knew that Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through? I don't either. But God does. And if you could get the perspective of God in your situation, I don't care if it's cancer, I don't care if it's death, I don't care if it's bankruptcy, I don't care if it's divorce, I don't care if it's in a rebellious child, I don't care what it is. If you can get the perspective of God in that situation, it will change how you go through it. That doesn't mean it won't still suck. That doesn't mean it won't still stink. That doesn't mean you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. But it's easier to get through it when your perspective is right. You want happiness? Get God's perspective. Quit looking at it from yours. God has a purpose in every problem. Every problem. So we need a proper perspective to live by. We need a priority to live by. I'm going to make Johnny Hunt proud today. All my points are going to start with the letter P, like a good Baptist should. <laughs> Three points and a point. I need a priority to live by. He said, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, nor that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in shame. He said, not only am I imprisoned, and that's bad enough, there's other preachers that are jealous of the influence I'm having while I'm in prison. Because they're jealous, they're attacking me. Because they're jealous, they're criticizing me. They're trying to kick me while I'm down. They're trying to destroy this ministry even though I'm having influence. Paul said, these guys are out there and they're critical of what I'm doing. And i got to be honest with you, man, the quickest way to lose your joy is someone criticizing you. Because human nature is we want to be liked. Even though it's just, I don't care what anybody thinks, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm the king of that line. I, I, my, my favorite other people's opinion to me is none of my business. And it's not. Boy, I make it my business. And people criticize and I try, but there's times it just affects me. Here's Paul. Man, they're dogging him. When you get criticized, it's hard for your happiness not to plummet. <laughs> Yet yeah, Paul says, Man, I mean joy, maintain joy even when they're criticizing me. See, we want to strike back. We want to get even. We want to defend ourselves. Paul shows us how you respond to criticism. He said, But what does it matter? What does it matter that they're criticizing me? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. He said, they might even have false motives. But they're preaching about Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus, and people are hearing about Jesus. And he said, they can criticize all day long because they can't talk about me without talking about Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus. Man, the Bible says his word will not return back void, and it's a win, win, win situation. He had the right priority to live by. Paul said, I'm not letting somebody steal my joy. Answer that phone, tell them you're in church, and invite them to church next Sunday. He said, I don't have time to fuck and fuss over people who criticize me. I don't have time to explain myself to people who misunderstand me. He says, as long as the message of Jesus is getting out. We had a little situation around here a few months ago where every Christian in town decided to voice their opinion on whether we were going to give out needles or not. And everybody's like, why don't you say something? I didn't care because here's why. I was glad to see a bunch of Christians finally get motivated about something I was glad to see them get off their blessed assurance and actually do something. Hey, you say, but they were criticizing Who cares? At least in the process of criticizing us, they had to acknowledge that there's a drug problem in our community, and most of them are doing nothing about it. I've had three different people tell me in passing, man, we disagreed with your needle thing so much that we came up with this solution and we came up with this solution, and we came up with this solution. Cool. Praise God. If one addict gets clean because of that and gets pointed to Jesus, good. Make no mistake about it. I don't think the way we do things is the only way to do things. It's the way we feel called to do things. I'm not insecure because some other church does it different. I just want unchurched people coming to meet Jesus, I get that Phil's not everyone's cup of tea. I get I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but we're a pretty good shot of whiskey. Listen, I get it takes all kinds to reach all kinds of people. I've got the right priority. The priority is, man, I just want to make Jesus famous, and I don't care how we go about doing it. But we get so upset about things that don't matter and let it influence. Do you ever find yourself fighting with your spouse over things that don't even matter? It just escalates because we're so prideful and it steals our joy. The way you maintain your joy in spite of problems is don't don't get irritated over things that don't matter. Paul said, I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to do what I do. I'm locked in prison. They ain't talking to the guards every day about Jesus. But I can. If you want to be joyful, no matter what, you've got to focus on what matters. You've got a priority to live by. You've got to go after it. You've got to be laser-focused on what your calling is. The problem with so many of you, you don't know what your calling is. You don't know what you feel called to do. I know that I know that I know that I know my calling in life. My calling in life is not to be some deep Bible teacher. Praise God for those that are. My calling in life is not to be a biblical professor. My calling in life is not to be... This is surprising. My calling in life is not to have a food pantry. We have a food pantry, and you people are amazing, and you helped us raise over $5,000 in the last seven days to stock that food pantry. But guess what? Not my calling. That's Speedy's calling. It's Eileen's calling. It's Doug's calling. Here's the deal. My calling in life is not addicts. That's James' calling. Praise God for it. But I don't live by that party. My priority is this. To create an environment where unchurched people can come and feel comfortable and hear about a God who loves them. That's just my priority. So, that's why... When some of you get mad at me, I wish you'd get on Facebook and push that we're doing the food. No. You push it. It's your passion. My passion is to create an environment. My passion is to get fulfilled every week and say, man, what kind of songs are we doing? And what sermon are we doing? And what's this going to look like? And how's this environment? That's my passion. Don't put your priority on me, and I won't put my priority on you. But here's the amazing thing about it. When we all have our own priorities, we're a family, and it makes us unstoppable. We get mad that someone don't have the same passion. I don't get mad. I want you to have the same calling that I do in your area. When you're laser focused on your priority, you don't care who likes it and who doesn't like it because you know your priority. <laughs> I need a perspective to live from, I need a priority to live by if I'm going to have true happiness. I need a power to live on. I need a power to live on. Throwing them peas out today. Man, life can wear you down. Life can wear you down. My wife has been gone this week, and I had all the kids. And my kids are pretty dang good kids. They wore me out this week. I work from home. I am so, like, my brain wants adult conversation so bad. Like, my 13-year-old son... Has hit that stage where he's consumed with girls. Dad, so this girl told me this, and I, so I unfollowed her on Snapchat because I'm playing a game with her. And what do you think about it? How long should I unfollow her? And what do you think? I said, because I'm giving them that pimp advice that I got, you know, ignore her. She'll come crawling back. It didn't work. You think he didn't listen to me? So it's nonstop. Normally, Christine is his, like, he goes to Christina. She's like, here's what you do. And she gives him good advice. And I don't give him good advice. Then I got a little girl who's 11. Who, if she gets good grades every year, during the summer, we let her dye her hair. So we dyed her hair purple and blue and green. And yeah, she looked pretty good. And she got in the pool while mom's gone. And all the dye came out of her hair. I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> I don't care if we fix it. I don't understand about it, but son, it was on like Donkey Kong. So I call a woman in our church who knew this. I said, "Can you take her down there, fix this?" She takes her down there, and the next day it fault comes out again. So I've talked about this girl. That won't talk to my son. I've talked about hair. Then I got a seven-year-old who I made a fatal mistake of two months ago. I brought him here to a wrestling match. He's like his dad, and he gets obsessed with stuff. When I tell you I have talked about wrestling 24 (laughs) hours a day, seven days a week, someone at church there's a thing called WWE Network. It's an app, and you and you could watch wrestling twenty-four hours a day. Dad, can I watch the wrestling app? Sure, son. Like, he's so consumed with it. He's like back watching like wrestling from the 80s. Dad, who's that? I said, that's second greatest man next to Jesus, son, that's Rick Flair. <laughs> Style and profile, limousine riding, Rolex wearing what well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of talking about wrestling and I'm tired of talking about like they've worn me out so kids can wear you out but you gotta have a power to live I saw this cartoon this weekend I saw a cartoon it was a lady standing at the door her curlers are hanging down limp she's got all the lines on her face she's tired you can tell she's wore out she's got a bathrobe on she's got a baby squalling in one arm a dog barking at her feet two little preschoolers like their twins are grabbing at her apron there's a man at the front door, he's a census taker in the cartoon, and he looked in the little caption at the bottom he's like, what do you mean you're undecided? All I asked you was, do you live here? <laughs> you know? Like, that's the way I felt this week, I was wore out, and I got good kids. Sometimes you need a power. Some of you here today, you're like that, you're wore out. Life has beat you up. Marriages beat you up, your careers beat you up, your finances have beat you up, family members have beat you up, circumstances have beat you up, and you are ready to quit. You're saying, Gary, I want to be happy. Gary, I want to find joy in the midst of it, but I'm tired. You don't think Paul was tired? Four years in prison, shipwrecked, bit by a snake, back in prison, chained to guards, about to be executed. But Paul knew something. Paul knew. He said, man, i got to have a power to live by. Look what he said. He said, for I know that through your prayers, in God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, will but have sufficient courage, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So that first verse back up there, 19, Xander, please. When you're tired, he said, here's the two things you got to have. you got to have prayers, and you got to have God's Spirit. When you're ready to get beat up, your prayer life better be stepped up. And guess what? We ought to be praying for you. If you're not praying for the people of this church, let me say this as hardcore as I can. You're doing a disservice to the people of this church. We ought to be lifting each other up in prayer every single day. I get up every day and pray for Jeff Walter because he's got to be married to Rhonda. Every day. Lifting him up in prayer. There's power in prayer. You're tired, it's amazing what prayer can do in your life. Sometimes you got to yell at God, sometimes you got to cuss at God, sometimes you just got to vent, but there's just amazing things. Man, God listens never underestimate the power of prayer especially when you're tired it's powerful we need the help that's good preaching if a white boy is doing it we need the help of God's spirit we need the help of God's spirit we need God just to know that we're so in tune with God that he's lifting us up and he's encouraging us when you're in tune with God it's an amazing thing we've got to have a power to live on When God's power, when you're in tune with God's power, nothing can devastate you. Let me tell you the most vital thing you can do every day. I'm going to get old school on you for a minute. I don't care if you take five minutes. Every day, you ought to have a personal time of worship with God. Every day, take five minutes, turn off the phone, turn off the radio, open up your Bible, I don't care if you read two verses and just talk with God. Because what will happen is that five minutes will turn into ten minutes, it'll turn into fifteen minutes. And it's amazing when you're in tune with God. I can always tell my walk in life totally mirrors my walk with God. When I'm in a rough spot and I'm in a bad spot and things aren't going good, there's no time with God. It's amazing the power that comes through that. You can't get through this life without some supernatural power. And prayer and the power of God does that. i got to get through all this. Hey, I need a purpose to live for. It's a lot of stuff. Today. I hope you've been taking notes, taking pictures up there. I need a purpose to live for. Paul's old. He's in prison. He's waiting for execution. They'd taken away every single thing that he had. They'd taken away his friends. They thought they had taken away his ministry. They had taken away his privacy. They had taken away his freedom. And for two years, he had somebody chained to him 24 hours a day. But you know what they couldn't take from him? They couldn't take his purpose for living. He said, for me to live as Christ, he said, as long as I'm living, I'm going to exalt Christ. As long as I'm living, I'm going to tell people about Christ. And to die is a gain. He said, if I die, I gain Heaven. I've shared this with you before. We don't deal with a lot of death in this church. We're just kind of a younger church. And it was amazing that we dealt with Otis, who'd been with our church since the beginning. He died a couple of weeks ago in, in his 80s. And I watched Tony and Brennan. Of course, they were brokenhearted. Don't get me wrong. But they also had this crazy, insane piece about them because they knew where their father was. Paul said, man, for me to live, I get to spread the message of Christ. He said, but if I die... I gain heaven. There's something powerful about someone in their dying days. God becomes more real than ever. We love to talk about heaven. It's a whole different story. you mean, well, we're going to be there. But as believers, we have that faith in that, and Paul knew what his purpose was. <laughs> if you look at our culture, our purpose is a lot of things, but not things of God. So many of us wouldn't say to live as Christ. We'd say for me to live as possessions. Possessions. I need to obtain, 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 obtain. I need to accumulate things. I'm always looking for happiness. New this and new that and the latest that and the latest. If I can get this, it brings me happiness until the newer version comes out. Some of us say, man, for me to live is not Christ, but it's pleasure. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, do it. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Then there's the consequences of it. Some of us, we would say, man, for me to live is not Christ, for me to live is prestige. I want to be known, I want power, I want to be respected. Huh. We have a weak purpose for living. We're, we're, looking, we're looking for our purpose and possessions and pleasure and prestige. And Paul said, my purpose is Christ. I know where he's brought me from. I have a purpose for living. You were not put on this earth simply for the approval of other people. You need to realize your purpose in life. None of those things will satisfy like Christ does. Philippians, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me and I strain towards what's ahead. He said, What's ahead of me is still my purpose. And I'm going after it with everything that I can. I'm telling you, man, maybe I need to do a series on purpose. Because if you discover your purpose, it'll change your life, it'll get you out of bed in the morning. Game changer. The secret of joy put Jesus first, others second, yourself third. Here's the deal. You can have happiness no matter what the circumstances. But you've got to make some decisions. You've got to make some choices. You've got to choose to look at things through God's eyes. You've got to make sure your priorities are right, perspective's right, your purpose is right. It ain't easy. But we can have that peace that Paul had in the midst of it. It's funny, I told someone that I said, I'm 42 years old. And I'm just now learning contentment. I'm just now learning, I'm sick of drama. I'm sick of fighting with everyone. I don't really give two craps what people think of me. 42 years, doesn't mean to get to that point. I'm still not perfect at it. But I'm just learning to be happy in my circumstances. I can't control my circumstances. But I can control my happiness. And i fought it tooth and nail over the last year. Man, God has put me through hell to get me to this point. I'm not saying I'm I'm perfect and I'm always going to stay at that point. But I'm going to strive for it. Because life's too short to be miserable. And i got to be honest with some of you. You're miserable. Man, you want to fight with everyone and argue with everyone. and Gossip about everyone. Just focus on yourself. That's a, I am Gary Lamb and I am a full-time job. If I'm focused on this, I don't got time for what you're doing. If we all focused on this, Our happiness would be a lot different. Or you can keep living miserable because at the end of the day, it don't affect me. But I love you enough that I hate seeing you live that way.